0: Hello, I'm Peter Van Duzen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Time, time politics tonight, the House of Commons ends the spring sitting with uncertainty hanging over the fate of some key government bills and a growing sense that Canadians will go to the polls before the House returns in the fall. MPs will be here to look back and look forward. And our panel of parliamentary reporters will also be here to weigh in on the end of the sitting and election timing. And we will begin tonight with the end of the spring sitting of the House of Commons. A bitter wrap-up to a stormy few months and maybe the wrap-up of this minority parliament with the possibility of an election this summer or fall. And the parties have already started framing the narrative for an upcoming campaign.
1: The Conservatives say they want to help Canadians, but they'll be voting against extending those benefits to Canadians. They are busy uh, attacking on personal levels, not busy taking care of Canadians. Canadians wonder what the Conservative Party stands for, because they know uh, what our government stands for, for having Canadians' backs.
2: Four parties on the left the Liberals, the NDP, the Greens, and the Bloc Québécois give the illusion of choice and debate, but there is no such thing. It's an agenda of four shades of red. A small group of people that pretend to speak for millions of Canadians, but continually let them down and leave so many others behind. But if the Liberals call an election in the late summer or early fall, I want this to be also clear. They're calling an election because they want all the power, not because it benefits people, not because it actually helps get things done. So the party
0: leaders sure sound like they are in campaign mode already or certainly getting prepared for one. The House of Commons wrapping up the spring sitting today after passing key pieces of government legislation at the 11th hour including the Budget Implementation Bill C-12, which is a bill to set targets for achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050. C-10 regulates online streaming giants and C-6 bans conversion therapy but it's not clear whether the senate will pass all of those bills before it breaks for the summer so let's bring in three members of parliament to discuss the end of the sitting and what lies ahead adam Vancouverdins, is an ontario liberal mp and the parliamentary secretary to the minister of diversity inclusion and youth eric duncan is an ontario conservative mp and his party's question period coordinator and peter julian is a british columbia mp and his party's house leader good to see you all gentlemen thanks for being here um, Mr. Vancouver, let me start with you. The past two years have been, uh, fair to say, a real challenge for MPs, uh, not just the pandemic and a minority parliament as well. Let me start there. How well served do you think Canadians have been by this minority parliament?
3: Well, I think they've been very well served. I think we've got an extraordinary amount of stuff done given the context of the pandemic and the minority parliament. The ones that you mentioned are certainly important bills, Uh, but I'm also a a member of the Standing Committee for Indigenous Northern Affairs and we got UNDRIP done, which uh, means so much to so many people. And I just want to take some time to acknowledge uh, the Indigenous leadership and everybody that contributed to getting uh, the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People implemented uh, as an act in Canada that uh, represents something very, very significant and I think it's uh, it's one of the bills that I'm most proud to work on in this last two years.
0: If Canadians if you think Canadians have been really well served, why is everybody talking about the need for an election?
3: I don't think everybody's talking about the need for an election. I'm certainly not. I'm talking about the need to continue to invest in Canadians and to continue to fight this pandemic. Uh, but the bills that we passed in the last couple of days are also really, really important. And it's important to recognize that, you know, it wasn't always easy. We had support from some parties, particularly on the conversion therapy ban bill. You know, I, I'm the parliamentary secretary for diversity, inclusion and youth. And I know that a lot of people in the House of Commons are supportive of the idea of protecting LGBTQ2 plus youth by banning conversion therapy. But I was really struck with the number of Conservative MPs. Over half of them voted against that bill yesterday. And we're seeing that kind of obstruction in the House of Commons, playing games and debate and not allowing the, the bill to get to, towards the end. The same is true for the Environmental Accountability Act. And the same was true uh, okay. for other important bills. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the, for the support where we found. It.
0: Mr. Duncan, let me turn to you here. Uh, how well do you think this Parliament worked and how well did it serve Canadians?
4: Well, I think as the official opposition, we had an effective couple of months. And in my role specifically in question period, it was a good chance to hold the government to account on the issues of the day. And I think raised a lot of the ethical uh, challenges the government's had over the last few months. Peter, there's been a lot of attention recently in a couple of weeks about obtaining the documents around the Winnipeg lab breach, uh, which is a, ma- a major issue. And I also think came even further about the role and respect for Parliament. So I think uh, there's been numerous ethics issues we've been able to raise and talk about needing to secure accountability, but also at the same time, too, I think it divides uh, the Liberal Party between the way they talk a good game on a lot of things, but when it comes to the reality, they're not able to follow through Or they just have a different standard or interpretation of what ethics or accountability or transparency to parliament is all about.
0: Let me turn to Mr. Julian. Um, You know, Mr. Julian, the the, the drumbeat of a potential fall election seems to be uh, picking up steam. And uh, I want to turn. It's good that we have you here for our discussion today. You're you're the only MP with us here today who's experienced other minority parliaments in the last 16 years. So I'd be curious to know how you think this one compares when the prime minister talks about toxicity and obstructionism. uh, Is it as bad as that?
5: Uh, obviously, obviously not, Peter, and and that's the the kind of spin which I think indicates to many observers, you, yourself and other journalists, that uh, that the government is preparing for an election because it's been kind of an over the top rhetoric. It doesn't reflect reality. The reality is uh, the government uh, has put forward a number of bills that they felt were important to pass, and they're passing. So. Uh, that I think the conclusions, the facts uh, speak for themselves. Uh, What the NDP has been able to achieve, what Jagmeet Singh has been able to achieve through this pandemic parliament is uh, pushing the government to actually put in place uh, an emergency response benefit that allowed people to put food on the table, the wage subsidy supports for students and seniors and people with disabilities, uh, even though the government uh, messed that up badly, uh, the rent subsidy for small businesses. These are all things that in a minority parliament the NDP was able to push the government to do. And, and, and I think that's really the crux of why Mr. Trudeau seems so intent on calling an election. He doesn't like the fact that uh, the NDP and other opposition parties were able to push him to do things that otherwise he didn't want to do.
0: All right, Mr. Vancouver, let, let me have you pick up on that. Uh, to Mr. Julian's point, look, uh, uh, if Parliament's not working, uh, all the obstructionism and the toxicity, uh, the government is getting through key bills it says it needs to get through. So what's the problem?
3: I think Parliament is working, but I would acknowledge that there's been some obstruction. I have heard uh, Eric re- discuss, Mr. Duncan, my friend Eric, uh, talk about some of the respect for Parliament issues. And I just want to bring up that for the first time in over 100 years, the Conservative Party chastised a public servant in front of the bar this week uh, when Mr. Ian Stewart from the from the Public Health Agency of Canada was called. And, and I mean, that was. Well, well the in fairness, I think all, all opposition seen.
0: parties supported calling him before the bar of the House
3: fine. But I I was one of the least respectful things I've ever seen. It was absolutely atrocious and I think it was shameful. But to suggest that the Canadian government hasn't been there for Canadians is absolutely false. We have been there for Canadians. We have passed some really key bills, many times with the support of the NDP and many times with the support of the Conservatives, but oftentimes, uh, you know, despite not having that support. So Parliament is working really, really well, but Canadians need more. Canadians need certainty and Canadians need a clear path forward out of this pandemic. And they're not going to get that with the Conservative Party, you know, blocking important bills and blocking Parliament and, and blocking debate. Okay. Uh, it's been really, really challenging for Parliament. But I think they're talking about the obstructionism and that toxicity. They're talking about things that
4: uh, like the going to the bar. OK, Mr. Mr. Mr.
0: Duncan, do we do we need a do we need an
4: election? Well, in a minority parliament, the one thing that I've learned, having been even a staff member before, you always have to be ready for one. Uh, one could happen at any time. But I I think the thing the prime minister does not like, and they mentioned on one hand about the bills and they tout those and then they complain. The part they're complaining about is having to be accountable to parliament. That's the part. And the filibustering in committees, and I I think of the defense committee, and the serious issues that women who are in our Canadian Armed Forces are facing. And I think of a a young woman wanting to go into the Canadian Armed Forces, the lack of confidence they have in the government and the defense minister to do a lot of those things. So, um, you know, Peter, we look at these things in terms of the ethics violations. uh, this week, we've been asking a lot of questions on List and Liberal MPs taking money from their budgets to uh, the Prime Minister's close friend in terms of supporting uh, some of their IT programs in that manner. The Prime Minister does not like the fact that Parliament uh, is making him accountable for their actions and their ethics violations and their failures. So oh. that's what we're going to keep doing. That's what Parliament's for. That's the basis of democracy. So do
0: you believe believe it's time to go back to the people after what will then be in in the fall, two years of this minority parliament?
4: We are ready for an election whenever the time comes. We've been on the record uh, that we will ask for support of Canadians when the time comes. It's up to the government to bring things in to make parliament work as part of that. We're going to hold to account. We're not going to change our strategy. And whenever an election comes... We've always been ready and always will be in a minority parliament. You need to be.
0: Mr. Mr. Julian, let me give the final word to you here. Uh, What uh, do you think? Well, you sort of suggested we don't need an election this fall, but uh, are you convinced one is coming? And um, what will the New Democrats be saying about uh, an election when we do get it, uh, about uh, the need for one or uh, the narrative you'll be presenting to Canadians when we get one?
5: we we don't think uh, that we need an election in fact with the delta variant that is disturbingly spreading in a number of countries that thought they were through COVID, uh it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the government to be trumpeting an election what we do need is things like pharmacare. what we do need is to have safe drinking water in every single community in the country what we do need is supports that uh, that people desperately need that the emergency allocation that the government wants to cut these are the things that we do need and I think Liberals have wandered off, uh, uh, off the focus, and the focus really should be on people. If they do call an election, if Mr. Trudeau does call an election, the, the issues that Canadians are, are suffering through, the needs that Canadians need met, are still front and centre, because after six years of Liberals, uh, there's been very little done to meet the needs right. of Canadians.
0: All right, Uh, gentlemen, listen, uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, House is done. uh, It's been a a challenging uh, pandemic, Parliament. Uh, We'll see what comes next, but in the meantime, enjoy whatever time you get with uh, friends and family, and uh,
2: we'll talk to you soon.
4: Thanks, Peter. Take take care.
2: An illegal trip to a billionaire's island. The SNC-Lavalin scandal. A million dollars to friends at the WE Charity and a three-year cover-up of sexual misconduct allegations in the Canadian Armed Forces, and now stories about hundreds of thousands of dollars of contract to one of the Prime Minister's closest personal friends. Under his leadership, ethics investigations have to be numbered, Mr. Speaker. The day the Prime Minister's third judgment came out, Bill Morneau's second came out. Leadership starts at the top, so I want to ask leader to leader. Does the Prime Minister feel that his personal ethical conduct sets a bad example for the Members of Parliament on his team?
1: The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, it is unfortunate that in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of uh, challenges Canadians are facing, whether it's climate change, which the Conservative Party continues to deny, whether it's systemic racism, uh, which the Conservative Party continues to deny, or supports for Canadians, which Conservatives are going to be voting against in the upcoming budget vote, uh, they have been focused more on political partisan attacks and personal attacks than they have on supporting Canadians. Leadership is about being there for Canadians and that is something that we have done from the very beginning. We said we'd have Canadians backs through this pandemic. That's exactly what we've had. We will have their backs as we move forward and beyond this pandemic to build back better.
0: All right, let's bring in our panel of parliamentary journalists now. Lots to talk about today. Susan Delacorte is a columnist with the Toronto Star. Althea Raj is a political journalist. And Joel Denis the Parliamentary Bureau Chief for La Presse. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here. Uh, nice to see you, you all again. Uh, Susan, let me start with you. The, the House uh, rising for the summer. Uh, you have made no bones about saying good riddance. <laughs> How come?
6: Um, well, I guess I shouldn't be saying this on a channel devoted to... Uh, people who may love parliament as much as I sometimes do. Um, but I think, you know, we've seen it over the past few weeks, this this um, this parliament seems to have run its course. Uh, it was strange to begin with, but it's had an end of days feeling about it for the last few weeks. It does seem like everybody is interested in moving on, not just from the pandemic, but from everything associated with the pandemic, including this weird hybrid parliament, so I, I, I thought that the prime minister was going to wait until September to make the case that Parliament was not working. He was building up to that case, but he's he's been making that for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Pablo Rodriguez, his house leader, has been making that case. Prime Minister did it yesterday, and. Just watching Question Period today, I thought, no, it's time. It's time that uh, everybody needs a fresh start.
0: All right, Althea, uh, let me pick up on what Susan's saying here. The Prime Minister uh, did lament the toxicity and the obstruction in Parliament this week. Uh, We've lived through a lot of minority parliaments, uh, all of us in this town covering politics in the past two decades. Uh, Is this one really any worse than the others?
7: No, uh, I don't think so. And in fact, I will uh, recall that... Back in December, the Prime Minister was making these very arguments as well. In his end-of-the-year interviews, uh, he was complaining that the opposition uh, was being obstructionist, that uh, the parties had very different visions of what uh, life post-pandemic should be like. And then, of course, the third wave hit, and we stopped hearing that Parliament was obstructionist. Not that it was less obstructionist. Mm -hmm. If anything, the committees became more obstructionist. Uh, But it wasn't until uh, they... (laughs) have The feeling seems to be they've decided that they absolutely do want to go in late summer, um, early fall, that uh, we have been hearing these complaints yet again. Uh, There is no reason why the prime minister needs to go, actually. And I think that the NDP leader made that point um, earlier today in his press conference where he said that, you know, they're willing to support the, the liberals for the next two years to go through this full four year mandate. But the problem is the prime minister does not want to negotiate. And frankly, there's a lot of truth to that.
0: Uh, Joel Denis, what do you think? What we've seen the last uh, week or so here is that uh, the government talks about obstruction and and uh, and toxicity in Parliament, and yet they managed. They've got four really important bills. They managed to get them all passed in kind of record time here in the last number of days. They're off to the Senate, where their fate for some of them is is in doubt. But is there is there a case to be made here that we need an election because Parliament's not working?
8: Well, it, it, it's true that as uh, Alcia mentioned, Mr. Trudeau has raised in the past that the Parliament might be becoming dysfunctional, but he never used the word toxicity, which is a new word to this. To say that this space needs to end, we need to pull the plug on this one, and I fully agree with uh, Susan. I think this Parliament has run its course. It's time to, for a fresh beginning, to you know maybe separate from the uh, pandemic and and the end of it that is coming to a close as we are getting closer to having 75% of the population having two doses of of, uh, the vaccine. But uh, the prime minister is making the case for an election. It reminds me the kind of narrative that uh, Stephen Harper was making in 2008 when he said that the opposition parties were trying to defeat him. So he needed to go and have a little visit at the governor general's Mm -hmm. office uh, residence to uh, ask for the dissolution of parliament and talking about the... Which turned out, which
0: turned out, by the way, to be a (laughs) longish visit. uh,
8: Yes. (laughs) But but talking about the Governor General, Peter, the Prime Minister mentioned today in a French radio interview that an appointment is coming soon. So this is mm-hmm. another indication that another hint that maybe uh, he, would, he plans to appoint someone to be able to visit that person to ask for the dissolution of Parliament.
0: Right. You don't want to go knock on the door and have no one home.
8: Uh, <laughs> exactly. You need to have somebody
0: there. <laughs> Uh Susan, uh look at look. we've we've seen this rush of legislation in the, in the last number of days here. Uh even today uh the government introducing uh new hate you know online hate crime measures at the very last hour as they have no chance of passing unless parliament comes back in the fall. What what's the strategy here to uh to put on the very last day of the sitting to put new legislation in the window?
6: Well, my understanding originally was that um C10 the the one that turned out to be hugely problematic, and the hate crime, uh, you know, uh, hate online bill, were kind of mm-hmm. come together. That the um, that this was the the government's way of of saying, look, we are modernizing our our laws to take account of you know the digital universe out there. I think what happened was C ten went off in directions they hadn't anticipated. Uh, so this is getting Introduced to say it was part of the package. I joked uh, in a column today that uh, that there's going to be a whole chapter in the liberal red book of 2021 titled "Things We Intended to Do" or "Things We Tried to Do." I think that that you know, gun control uh, advocates are are a little bit angry about mm-hmm. how that fell off the agenda as well, too, until the last minute. I it, there there does seem to be sort of this. Deathbed conversion, eleventh hour. Oh, can I get my exam in? If that's not (laughs) too many metaphors, at the end of this, it's 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 sort of uh, strange to see all this. You know, this is all to be judged by effort and not implementation.
0: Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that, Althea, as you watch them uh, after the very last minute roll out new legislation, and does it make you wonder? uh, you know, where's this legislation been uh, for the last number of months? Why is this, this urgency that it all arrives on the last day of the city? Um,
7: well, a few thoughts. One, most of the pieces of legislation that were introduced uh, today and yesterday, I'm thinking about the firearms regulation, the, uh, the disability, disability benefits. benefits bill, even the official languages that the MNNJD in introduced last week. These are all things that were part of the Liberals' mandate letters. They were campaign promises from the last election. And because of the pandemic, the Liberals really have a pretty thin uh, report card, if you wish, on on the, the last two and a half years or two years. So they've been trying to kind of pad their resume when they go to the polls. And these are things that are important for certain constituencies that are important to the Liberals. So the disability community, the uh, firearms advocate in Quebec, the Ke- Quebec, the official languages uh, rules, so it's understandable the hate crimes with uh, religious communities uh, as well. So you can see why they would be introducing these bills to say we are still committed to doing this, even though there is no time in the sitting to pass them. What do you think, Joel
8: Well, Peter, as we always do when it comes an election, we compare what the Liberal government promised or the the party that is in power promised and what it actually accomplished. So this will be uh, the Liberals that way will be able to say that uh, that area of you know the hate uh, line the hate uh, um um hate crime law was part of the of a long process as part of the process of being you know introduced and it, it's it's progress being made but i would say that it's uh, mostly window dressing um as althea mentioned they introduced the uh, revamp law of uh, official languages act last week they know for a while they will not be uh, Uh, adopted by the House of Commons nor the Senate. So they will be able to say in their platform, we plan to do what we introduce in the spring, uh, in the summer, some laws that we will be part of the platform. So it's more window dressing than actually trying to convince people that it's going to be uh, fully implemented.
0: Susan, I've been hearing lots of rumours the last number of days about uh, a a possible uh, cabinet shuffle to come that involves perhaps the Minister of of Defence. But you listen to the Prime Minister talk about Harjit Sajjan in the last number of days and it doesn't sound like a Prime Minister who's who's about to push somebody out.
6: No, unless you think that politics works like hockey where they say all the nicest things about the coach just before they fire him. (laughs) I've seen sort of... It's been a really interesting ratcheting up of, of expressions of support for Harjit Sajjan. I'd say in the last three weeks, mm-hmm. you've you've seen a real um, you know I think it was last Friday or last Thursday, late last week there was this onslaught of um, of support for the uh, for the minister on Twitter from all his fellow ministers and and liberals you know sort of I stand with with Sajjan so I I don't think I i don 't put much stock in the cabinet shuffle rumors. this government tends to shuffle cabinets in response to outside events right. like the election of Trump or the election of doug Ford uh, it doesn 't do them proactively, and I think they decided quite a while ago that the team they have now is one they're they 're going to go into the election with
0: uh, Althea what are your thoughts on that given the you know the latest round of criticism from the the military ombudsman bit of interference from the minister 's office um, what do you think the fate is for Harjit Sajjan uh, as we continue to talk about an imminent election?
7: Yeah, I agree with Susan on this. Um, I actually think that dumping uh, Harjit Sajjan at this point is pretty unlikely. I also don't know how the Sikh community would respond, uh, if the government seems to just be responding to very personal attacks against the national defense minister. And I just to uh, touch back on something that Susan mentioned. One of the reasons I think the cabinet ministers came out and full force on social media to defend their colleague was that Aaron O'Toole, the conservative leader, had made some pretty uh, personal attacks in the House of Commons in introducing and discussing that supply day motion where he talked about um, the national defense minister lying about his military record. I think that's really what touched a nerve and kind of made everybody have his back. Uh,
0: Joelle Denis, what do you think about uh, Mr. Sajan's future?
8: Well, I think he's going to be, he's staying put until the next federal election, but afterwards, I think, uh, I'll, i I would bet that he will be moved out of this portfolio because the controversy has been dogging him since uh, last uh, January. Now, I, I don't think the prime minister would be wise to announce a cabinet shuffle uh, just prior to an election. When he did one in January, thinking that this would be the team that we would bring to the election, and if he does go along with uh, go ahead with the uh, shuffle, he may un- make some people unhappy in the liberal ranks. Whereas the team has to play united to be able to face the other parties uh, in in good shape.
0: Okay, Susan. So a couple of minutes we have left here. L- let me look ahead uh, as we've been doing somewhat here. We we got a preview of the Conservative. Uh, election narrative today that all, all the parties on the left, as Aaron O'Toole put it, are the same as the Liberals. They're all basically a, a big Liberal party and only Conservatives offer a different uh, vision. Uh, Jagmeet Singh uh, talking about uh, how there's no need for an election, first of all, but Liberals don't keep their promises. And Justin Trudeau, uh, we got your backs. We had your backs during the pandemic. It's going to continue. Uh, beyond the pandemic when we rebuild better. So uh, I guess what's really left uh, to, for me uh, as sort of an answer is we have the sort of narratives. What's actually going to determine if there's an election or not in the fall? What what's, What is the prime minister going to look to to make that call?
6: I think he's going to look to, is there any worse time? Is there uh, Could things get worse? Uh, is this the optimal time? I think he... You know, I, I, I've come around to this view only just recently. I actually thought that he was going to hang in there, but all signals are, are not. And I think the argument for him would be, look, if I wait until later, that gives the Conservatives more time to get their act together. When Canadians are feeling great and in the f- first, you know, feeling freedom of getting two doses and, and, and the economy is picking up. I think that's that's when the prime minister wants to strike, not to endure another fall and winter of the kind of you know dismal, toxic as he called it uh, rhetoric in the house. So I think it's 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 sooner rather than later because later is too risky.
0: Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Althea? <laughs>
7: um, well, I think I've mentioned before that I don't agree with my esteemed colleagues about the uh, the parliament running its natural course, but um, I believe that. The Liberals are going unless external forces uh, conspire to prevent them from going to the polls. Basically, if what we saw in the third wave happens this summer and that there is a fourth wave uh, and, you know, that the country is gripped with the Delta variant uh, and it's unsafe to hold an election, I don't believe there will be an election. But uh, everything continues on the path that it is on. Then I think we will be heading towards an election campaign in the late summer, um, early fall.
0: Joël Denis, final word to you tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on election timing and what uh, what the Prime Minister will actually look to? What the, what's the calculation he's making when he makes the call?
8: Well, he will look on the situation uh, on the health front, whether the uh, pandemic is clearly under control and that we don't have a fourth wave arising. If there is a fourth wave, I think he will pull the stop to all of that because it would be not in anybody's interest to have an election if we have a fourth wave, but the trenches of having a fourth wave are pretty minimal. So I would say that pretty much a cardinal stone that we're going to a fall election. And Mr. Trudeau has dropped so many hints over the last few days that I don't think he can stop this machinery. It's, it's going <laughs> ahead right now.
0: All right, uh, thank you all for your time tonight. Always good to talk to you and uh, we'll talk again soon. Everyone take care.
7: Thank you, thank you too, Peter. You.
0: And that is all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics. I'm Peter Van Deesen. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time.